Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hello and welcome to Geek Town Radio and happy Easter. Um, it being Easter, I, I'm uh, on my own. There's no Adam and no Chris. So uh, rather than put out the regular show, I thought I'd put out an interview which I did quite recently with a guy called Michael Picton. He's um, a composer for Wonderful Universe live stage show, um, which is is a great show. It's touring America at the moment. Um, it's due to come over here at some point. It involves all your favourite um, Marvel characters from like um, the all the Avengers, Iron Man, um, Thor, uh, Spider Man's in there. I imagine Daredevil's in there as well. So there's there's all sorts of uh, of characters, all the ones that you go, don't get to see in the movies, all mixed together in one thing. So uh, Michael's doing the music for it. He's a really interesting guy. He's got. He started off in uh, circuses of all places, and and so that sort of led him into doing uh, uh, stuff for stage. Um, he also did the music for sci-fi's um, uh, reboot of uh, Flash Gordon as well. So he's got some experience in TV work. Uh, he's also done things like um, recorded music for silent films and scored those. Uh, yeah, really uh, good guy to talk to. Um, so yeah, here's the interview with uh, with Michael. Um, hope you enjoy it. Uh, I'll do some uh, air date updates afterwards as well. It's one of the biggest tours in the country. I've been waiting for this for 46 years. It's awesome. And people can't stop talking about it. It was fantastic. You see this guy? That's what I felt like in there. It was wonderful. I would definitely recommend it to family and friends. Had a blast. Marvel Universe Live. Witness Spider-Man, Captain America, Black Widow, and all your favorite Marvel superheroes. Battle to save the universe from Loki and Marvel's most sinister villains. Get transported into the world of Marvel and experience an event for the whole family where every electrifying, action-packed moment is live. Marvel Universe Live. tickets now at marveluniverselive.com hi michael hi david how's it going i'm fine how are you doing great good 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 uh where are you today i am in my studio in uh brooklyn new york ah you're in new york oh, that's yeah. the difference most of the people i end up talking to are in la so 
Yeah, I'm the I'm the black sheep of uh, of media composers. <laughs> Sometimes I regret it. It's uh, it's it's pre freezing in New York for March. Yeah, well, that that's it. It gets kind of depressing talking. I mean, I'm in England, so you know, talking to people in LA, it's like, what well, what's it like over there? Oh, it's a bit cold. No, it isn't. <laughs> Experienced, uh, experienced in, uh, winters in England myself. So I, I know where you speak. Yes, yeah. yeah. You established you're, you're up in New York. Where Where are you from originally? Are you from there? Uh, no, I um, I'm actually from Canada. I grew up in Canada. Okay. Uh, yeah, although I was I was born in in California, but um, uh, of Canadian parents, we moved back to Canada when I was very young, right. and I grew up in Ottawa until I went off to. Uh, to university and then went to university in Montreal. So spent most of most of my life in Canada and then moved to the States, I don't know, about 10, 12, probably 12, 13 years ago. Cool. Okay. How, how did you get into to becoming a, a composer? Uh, I've kind of always wanted to do it since I was probably an early teen. Um, I was always, I, I was, you know, as, as most people of my generation, I kind of, um, my first sort of film music memory was, uh, was Star Wars, yeah. uh, like just about anybody else. Yeah. Uh, but it kind of bowled me over. And I think I had, since I saw that movie, the, the music had stuck with me so much that, um, it, it kept turning in my mind until I decided that that's what I, that's the, that's the kind of thing I wanted to do. So it's really since I was a teenager and uh, around that time I got into electronics and synths as well. So I was starting to be able to do things, uh, which allowed me to do a lot of things all by myself. Um, so it was right from the beginning. And then I went off to, uh, to university to study music and sort of studied in the, um, in the classical and avant-garde tradition. And when I finished my studies, I pretty much tried to launch myself back into what my into my original uh, intent, which was uh, to get into film, and just sort of started banging my head against various walls in Montreal to try and uh, yeah. to try and enter the industry yeah. to uh, to some success, limited but some success. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there's something in your bio that says you ran off and joined the circus. Um. <laughs> I did. Yeah, uh, that was that was a factor. That that was really a result of me sort of starting out in Montreal in that um, uh, I had worked uh, as an assistant to a film composer in Montreal by the name of Neil Smolar and uh, through um, through one of the engineers we worked with, Rob Heaney, I got introduced to um, uh, Benoit Jutra, who's one of the Cirque du Soleil composers who wrote Kidam yeah. uh, and O and uh, La Nuba, um, and lately the Dragon Productions, Le Reve, etc. And um, and it was through really through working with him that I kind of entered the circus world uh, and ended up doing some arranging on the way back in back in the 90s they made or maybe it was 2000 i can't remember well, it was late 90s i think yeah they made a, a kidam uh was it kidam no it was allegria it was an allegria movie right, and so right. I did some string arrangements for benoit for that uh and then ended up uh going on tour with kidam as the keyboard player when they uh, when they lost their keyboard player and i was still working with uh, benoit in montreal so i did run off and literally it was i sort of packed my bags and was in europe the next week and <laughs> and living on the road for the next year and a half <laughs> wow that's crazy yeah. and the full full nine yards and face paint every night and um wow it was a real, a real welcome to the circus experience. Although it was a little bit luxurious now that I've met 
circus people in in sort of less upscale circuses. <laughs> yeah. Cirque du Soleil experience is sort of nice hotels across Europe and uh, <laughs> and a cafeteria on site. Whereas we, a lot of the uh, other circus performers we knew, had to um, pitch the tent themselves. <laughs> yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah. So the, um, the 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 big thing you've been doing recently is the uh, scoring for Marvel Universe Live. Yes. Um, yeah. How did that come about? Um, funny enough, uh, and directly apropos to what we were just talking about, it really came about through the circus. Um, yeah. So uh, around 2006 or seven, I started. Uh, I, 2006, I wrote my first circus score for the Ringling Brothers, um, and the Ringling Brothers are owned by uh, Feld Entertainment. And four circuses later, they. <laughs> Um, partnered up with Disney and, Marv and Marvel to create Marvel Universe Live. Uh, and so the director of... Um, so I, I had quite a good relationship with, with Feld, having done four of their circuses. And, yeah. you know, we had... Uh, we, we, we sort of knew each other and knew... They knew what I was capable of. Uh, and I'd worked with the director, Shonda Sawyer, who had done the... Um, uh, third of the Ringling Brothers circuses I did, which was called Dragons, which was uh, a particularly good one, yeah. uh, very epic in scope. And so she was she was chosen by um, Feld to uh, to direct the the Marvel show, and uh, and so pretty much I came on board because of the the uh, our past working relationships on those two things. And I had a little bit of uh, adding to the plot. I had a little bit of the sort of. Um, sci-fi superhero background having having scored the the flash gordon tv show yeah in the middle of that okay cool um so how how, how did you go about constructing the music for that was did you look at any of the music for the uh, from from the films or were you trying to create something very separate it, it was kind of a little bit of both in that when i was preparing for the score i sort of caught up on all the um on all the marvel films that i had missed yeah which is easy to do because there's so many of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I did sort of have a little uh, a little crash refresher in in this in the the ones that I hadn't caught at the theaters. Um, but by the same the, by the same token, they, I was specifically requested on this show to do something a little different from the films. That they wanted to push the music a little more. Um, a little more heavy, a little more rock and techno and sort of okay, yeah. genres in, influenced rather than the the, 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 the um, traditional full orchestra um, approach. Yeah. It. And part of that has to do with the live setting of the show. Um, I found that in a, shows like this, having it's it's similar to the Ringling Brothers in that it's an arena show. Yeah. And in that kind of space, it's like a, you know, a huge arena space. It, it's sort of a show in that space has as much to do with you know, say the cinematic side of things as it does to do with say um, circuses or monster trucks or sporting events. Yeah, because uh, it's that kind of you know, uh, almost you know, it was almost like a a Roman arena yeah. <laughs> of type of environment. So it it needs sort of. Um, 
it needs a certain sort of knock you out kind of energy that space yeah that that was part of the impetus to sort of get things sort of a little kind of rockier a little kind of uh heavier and and sort of uh aggressive in modern styles um and but then it's still a superhero show so i didn't want to lose the sort of epic scope that we could get from from the orchestral sound so for me it was kind of like um it was very much a, a kind of everything in the kitchen sink approach. It was kind of throw it all in and mix it all up together and, and see what we can do and just kind of make it make it bigger, bigger. More is more was was, was something of the approach. So yeah. a lot of cues kind of go into different directions that and more sometimes more purely techno or more purely rock directions than you might find in one of the major Mar- Marvel properties. But we still wanted to, you know, it's still. At the end of the day, it still had to feel, though, like something of the Marvel Universe. Yeah. It could sound like a show that was completely, you know, out of left field. It still had to sound like Marvel. And Marvel has, over the years, I think, really kind of developed uh, a real sound to its brand. When you hear a Marvel movie, it sounds like a Marvel movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, yeah. Are you creating different sort of themes for each of the characters? throughout that or or is it is it slightly different to, to that with the stage show? I, I did, yeah. I did um feel the need to to sort of create sort of on a little bit shorter themes than I might if they were movies, simply for the because of the the um the number of characters involved. I think we had something like twenty five characters, heroes wow. and villains from from the comic books, movies from the whole from the whole universe. Yeah. Um, so that's a lot of themes to, to be yeah. to be juggling, and so sometimes it, for some characters, their theme would simply take the form of um, an identifiable signature sound or um, instrument or riff or something, and that was sort of the case for a character like Hawkeye or um, Black Widow. They kind of had a feel to them. Yeah. Uh, whereas some characters got a little more stage time, like Thor, Captain America, Spider Man, you know the big ones. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they would, uh, they would, and Iron Man, they would, they would kind of require a bit more of a theme. Part of it too is that you, you, you really kind of have to go back to that thematic writing again because of the um, the physical space of the show. I find the music really helps to draw your attention. In you know, in concert with the lighting and everything, but it really helps to focus your attention on helping you understand what you're seeing. Because if there's a vast playing field and yeah. characters all over the place, sometimes you need the sound to tell you, "Hey, this is Spider-Man's moment," or "This is Thor's moment," that kind of thing. Yeah, that 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 really makes sense. It, yeah, the, it, with, with the stage show as well. I mean, it, the music is so much more integral to it I mean the music's integral with the films but but it, it sort of sits back a little bit more I think probably than a, than it would do in a stage show I guess yeah absolutely and and part of that is because of the um with a with a film you have moments where you can create a real intimacy with with close-ups and and you know you get that you have the feeling yeah. of life in a film you're like you're almost there so you can kind of you know get get in close and get in real and the music can be subtle whereas in a in an arena you're always in the arena yeah. you never have a chance we, we don't have the close up so everything kind of has to play on the on the on the in the in a large format you know so it's it's almost like uh, it's almost like the whole show has to take 
space in the same scope as as what the large battle scenes would be in a movie, for example. Yeah. Yeah. Although we do have a few, there, there are a few sort of expositionary scenes where we sort of just have, you know, a, a little bit of close up with the, with the characters, but, um, but they're, they're not etched in the same sort of realism that a, that a film would be in the same, uh, uh, and the same sort of everydayness and subtlety that you can get away with in a film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, on, on the other end of the scale from, from doing the sort of big stage shows, um, you also create network themes for, for um, yes, uh, CNN, yeah. uh, Amazon, which, which are those, those sort of short little stings that, that um, you know, that when you start up watching something or that sort of thing, aren't they? So yeah. how do you go about doing those? Because they, they seem so tiny. But <laughs> Absolutely. It's strange. I mean, yeah, to sort of go from one job that's 100 minutes of nonstop music to another that's, you know, a, a 10 second blip yeah <laughs> i think the longest of the amazon um logos was six or seven seconds if i'm not mistaken oh, wow. um but it's uh it's funny because the it's it's yeah it's a totally different mindset because it's very much about the the particulars and and just trying to create a thought or a mood in just you know five seconds or yeah. something uh, and very often with the logos, it's with the Amazon ones, for example, it's very much sort of capturing the visual movement that their animated logo has. Right. Yeah. And then at the same time, kind of just expressing uh, a little bit of a sentiment in the Amazon ones. They're kind of little positive logos. It's kind of make you feel sort of warm about the station and what you're going to watch. Yeah. Uh, the PBS ones are a little. The PBS ones are were a little more involved because it created long themes actually that they could play behind promos. Right. Okay. So I created. There were a bunch of like. There's one main theme which you hear all the time, and the the logo comes out of that theme. It's sort of like a little subset of of the, what's actually like a minute long or a minute and a half long theme, which we can use for um, sort of coming up next promos or okay. kind of thing. Um, so that even there, there's a sort of, there's a, a variety in, in approaches from the Amazon, which is just a very specific animated logo thing to the PBS, which is sort of, sort of creating a song and then pieces of that to express different aspects of the, um, um, of the station, you know, and its programming. Yeah, yeah, and and you also you you mentioned um, you worked on the uh, Flash Gordon series for for Sci-Fi. Yes, um, I, and I mean I, I, I've talked to a number of of guys that that you know are, are doing TV shows just constantly. That's the main thing that they do, and they have just insane schedules. Um, I, so, how, how did you find that experience? I mean, I was talking to Phil Eisler uh, a couple of days ago, actually, um, uh, about some of his shows, and he's, he's like doing. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So, I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
two shows with like huge, like full blown orchestras recordings every single week. You know? <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I was just wondering how how you 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 found the experience of working through a TV show and creating just that quantity of music for stuff. Um, Flash was 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 great because. Um, in exactly that respect, it was sort of the best learning experience. At the at the beginning, it was just sort of overwhelming. Yeah. Um, you're you know, and and Flash was a show that kind of had nonstop music for a lot of the episodes, top to bottom. So it was just sort of launch into it and score the crap out of it for you know, <laughs> as fast as you could. Um, but working on Flash, we had usually about um, it was I think it was usually about a week turnaround between episodes, right. There were a lot of episodes. There were 22 episodes. Sometimes that got compressed. The, the schedules got mis- um, got muddled with. So occasionally we had like a four-day turnaround and occasionally 10, that kind of thing. <laughs> but um, it, with all of these series, it's usually the, the, first, the, the first few episodes are the hardest because you're creating the themes, the, the mood, everything out of whole cloth. You know, yeah. you're renting it from the ground up once you're about eight episodes in you've created a language you've created some themes that are going to get reused and you've created a vocabulary of sort of how the drama unfolds musically yeah so once you're usually about halfway through a series it it becomes a lot easier just in in just in terms of um um the ideas you need to generate on a daily basis because a lot of them have been established. Um, but Flash was peculiar also because we, as the series went on, they kept introducing new characters and settings kind right. of all the way until the end. So there was always something new to come up with. Um, so that made it challenging. Um, part of it too is getting the getting a team together and getting sort of a, a work process. And that's the real invaluable thing. And it's the thing I, I learned the most with on, on Flash was uh, I had some great collaborators. I had an assistant, uh, Miles Hankins, and, um, and my friend Evan Frankfurt mixed most of the episodes Right. And once we had, uh, again, it was sort of once we had established, a f- you know, gone through a few episodes, we sort of get these the gears of this machine in motion and we have a delivery plan. Once an episode comes in, you know, I'll have my assistant loaded up on the on the sequencers, break out the cues often re-temp the score with some of our music from previous episodes to see how some of the themes might fit yeah. and that can all be done before I dive into it so while I'm finishing one episode I can have my assistant prep the next one and <laughs> and you know and developing technical technical um, um, plans for you know how to stem everything out and get it mixed in time for the uh, for the dub um, but at the end of the day it's, it's a lot of writing very quickly but you need to sort of oil all these pieces of this machine so they're all operating in sync yeah. and, and generally the more people you can get on board the better because there's always something else to be done <laughs> so, so it, it's a matter of, of figuring out sort of how to get a team together to where i know for example on phil's shows he's got uh, you know to 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 get that stuff done live or because on flash we did most of this stuff um uh with sampled orchestra for the orchestral bits right, yeah with occasional live bits in um as sweetening um so in that and that was a factor both of time and and of budget. Um, so on on a show like one of the ones Phil's doing, you really need you've got to have you know a team of orchestrators and copyists who are ready to sort of transform 
that uh, that music you've written into something on the page for yeah. those players to play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the the other show, well, one of the other shows you did was uh, a VH1 reality show for uh, I, I Want to Work for Diddy. I'm assuming that's that's um, Sean Puffy Toombs. Uh, yes, yes. I, it's, it's not a show I'm, I'm aware of, but but you're. I, I mean, if if you're dealing with um, a, a, a sort of established musical act, was were you having to to sort of um, sort of work your music into to more that sort of style or well the the um the i want to work for diddy is peculiar because i didn't actually score the entire series i only wrote the uh, the theme music so i wrote the theme music that plays in the uh, the uh, opening okay so it was a much shorter gig but that said it was it was interesting because it the theme music was very of all the music in the show that was the music that diddy actually had the most hand in <laughs> listening to um you know because the rest of the show was 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 put together um uh with with uh with a team that had a library and stuff yeah uh, but the uh so what but the creating the theme i got very you know very specific direction that you know diddy wants this and diddy wants that um so i don't know is he going by p diddy now or i i'm not I sure <laughs> I, I feel I, I I don't want to you know I don't want to don't want to misname so <laughs> so but I I got he it was very much his idea that he wanted the opening to be and you can see, you can tell when you you watch the opening credits if you check it out on my website he you know he wanted this image of Diddy as man of, international man of mystery kind of a James Bond what? it's hip hop mogul essentially which is kind of you know how he how he what he is yeah. To an extent, so we we really pushed that, and it was. I mean, it's it sounds silly to to describe it in these terms, but it really was kind of my interpretation of the sort of brassy James Bond sound <laughs> with hip hop beats, essentially. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, and then try to try to brew that into something that actually makes sense um, in the sound of it, and and I, I think it worked. But yeah, I would get I would also get notes that you know from my. Um, we did that through uh, the company Eyeball NYC, who created the um, who created the video. Sorry, the visuals for that for that segment for the okay. sequence. And um, they're the same company I've done all the um, all the network branding with too. Right. So it's it's a company that they handle they handle the um, the sort of visual design, and I'll come in to to work on the music design that goes with those visuals. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the I did get I I do remember getting some notes that you know. It was told to me that you know Diddy likes his his high hats, so make sure the high hats are nice. And <laughs> That's the only specific note I remember, other than the obvious ones about trying to make it sound like James Bond. And, uh, but but it was it was it was a fun gig, and I'm really happy the way it turned out. I like the I like the the visual design of it too, because it's very much an homage to uh, to all those uh, James Bond openings with the silhouettes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, but done very much in, in Diddy style. <laughs> cool. Um, are you, are you working on any other TV shows or would you like to, to go and work on, on more TV stuff? Um, funny enough, I'm just about to start working on a new TV show, which is totally, um, different from the ones we've been discussing. I've just, uh, I just did the pilot for the show called Mutton Stuff, which is, a show for preschoolers involving dogs and puppets. Ah, cool. Yeah. 
And it's by um, Sid and Marty Croft, who created HR Puff and stuff. I don't know if you remember. Um, it's, it's I'm I'm aware of the name. I it's not a show that that I I know. I don't know whether it ever aired in the UK, so I, I'm not sure. I imagine it did, but it may have been before your time. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, anyway, they they've created tons of of shows, mostly children's shows of one form or another. Uh, they created Land of the Lost too. Okay, uh, and um, so this. is... Um, they've teamed up with Nickelodeon in the States to create this show, which is, which involves sort of a live action show with real dogs, but also with puppets, puppet cats, a giant person in a dog suit who is stuffed the dog. Uh, <laughs> and it, it, it involves, um, Caesar Milan, the dog whisperer, and it's great fun, but it's, 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 it's a real, it's a real different direction from all, all the stuff we've been talking about. It's a preschooler show and it, and it involves puppies. <laughs> You've got to think, who was the person that thought that would be a brilliant... I mean, you know, puppets and dogs in a studio. Right. For children. I mean, it's a lovely idea for a show, but but what a nightmare that must be for somebody to produce. (laughs) Well, I know the producers. I think they're having a... Well, we'll we'll see. They start shooting in May. Uh, We'll see how... The the pilot went off really well, so um, we'll see how the rest... (laughs) See if they're having a nervous breakdown by by sort of June or something. I think think they have experts to deal with the dogs (laughs) and the puppets, for that matter. Yeah. But different experts. (laughs) Well, well, it's, it's a great idea for a show. It'll be... Uh, um, so have, you, have you actually started that, or are you? Well, so that one I scored the the pilot episode, which was really kind of okay. a test episode. We did that back in November, uh, and that sort of um, a blend of kind of um, kind of rock pop stuff with. Um, I don't know how to describe it. I would, I would say almost like toy stuff. We use, I use a lot of sort of marimbas and trombones and tuba kind yeah. of, you know, f- funny instruments. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or um, technicolored funny instruments. And uh, I'm going to try and push it a little further once we get into the into the um, the full season of the show proper and see. Uh, in my mind, I'd like to kind of make it a make it a, a little bit a little bit weird. You know, make it fun and make yeah. it weird. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, one final question, which is, uh, we we, um, uh, we we deal with a lot of TV on the on the site, so we always tend to ask, what sort of shows are you watching, or is there anything out there that you like that you see and think that would be great to compose for? Uh, well, the one we I love, which we uh, just finished watching the. Um third season was House of Cards. Yes. We just watched the last episode last night of the third season of House of Cards. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm about halfway through that. It's just incredible. Yeah. Um, that one, um, there's some, uh, you know, some shows that also have great scores too are, um, there's a show called Rectify that was on um, um, the Sundance channel. Okay. Uh, and it's, it was cool because it was sort of a show like no other to me, it's sort of it, 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 its sensibility and it had a pacing that was very unlike um, anything I'd seen before. But the other show that's really blown me away, and I'm sure you've watched because it's 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 from your country, is um, Black Mirror. Yeah, yeah, and that is fantastic. We don't we haven't got the um, Christmas episode yet here in the states, but we have the first six episodes, and that's sort of my favorite kind of sort of speculative sci-fi. You know, it's really kind of Philip K. Dick, uh, yeah, you know, the future kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, no, 
no, it's a fantastic show. It, it, it just everybody raves about how great it is. It's it's a really good show. Um, yeah, no, I'm I'm hoping they'll make more of those. It, it's uh, it's fantastic. Well, I heard there are, there are plans to make an American version of that, which is yeah. which is something I always dread when I hear that about British TV shows. <laughs> yes, yeah. I mean, it's one of those things that that kind of might have made sense 20 years ago when we didn't have access to to sort of each other's you know um shows as easily but, yeah but but now stuff transfers so quickly and so easily across the atlantic it, it it seems a bit pointless it's like when they tried to remake um uh broadchurch uh, right. Yeah, right. And, and it died horribly in the US, even though it still had David Tennant in it, you know? <laughs> right. And yet they managed to remake The Office. and Yeah, and that was incredible. Like seven seasons or something? Or something yeah. crazy? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, it's one of those things. I think sometimes it, it's, it depends how they handle it with this sort of stuff. It, it, you know, um, if you can go your own way with it, um, then it, it kind of may work, which is sort of what they did with the office. Um, you know, they took the basic premise, but 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 it, it expanded it in a sort of slightly yeah. different direction. Um, and I'm not sure if you could um, if you could do that with uh, with some shows. You know? <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And it's a matter, I think of. I think you can get away with it if if. As I've heard from Black Mirror, they want to bring the the same creators on board to just continue it sort of in an American setting, which might be okay. Yeah, maybe. That, that what, might work. <laughs> what about the, 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 what, the, trans, the transposition that I feel was the best, which is not even an actual remake, but was that um, um, Armando Iannucci, who does Veep here. Yes. Yeah. Uh, which And Veep is kind of like an American remake of, um, uh, what's it called? The, the, uh, yeah. he's the parliamentary show over there with, with, um, uh, uh, um, uh, it's, uh, 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 it's called in the loop. And yeah, um, yes, the movie was called in the loop. The, the TV show was called, um, that's going to annoy me now. <laughs> I have to look yeah, I'm embarrassed to forget it on your podcast, but in uh, any case, Veep is sort was sort of not a recreation, but sort of a complete, American reimagining of that show for the American political system. So it was funny for its own different reasons, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The thick of it. That's <laughs> yes. Just go the thick of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that I mean that was a phenomenal show. And I do love Veep. Veep's Veep's fantastic. Um yeah. it's just just such a good show. Um I, yeah, and I think if you if you're taking the same guy behind it, and Amanda's just so talented, so oh. <laughs> so yeah. Um, okay, what are you going on to do next after the, apart from the, the uh, children's show you mentioned? Uh, well, the children's show is the next thing on the on the burner. I'm in the midst of, um, <clears throat> I finished uh, recently a show, a circus show called Pedal Punk, okay. uh, which is touring uh, in the States now. And that's sort of a, a sort of a theater-based circus. Um, so I'm, I'm going to be for a little while, apart from the mutton stuff show, um, working on, uh, getting some soundtracks out, namely for Marvel universe live, which is going to be the big one cool. and, um, and for, um, and for pedal punks. So I think, uh, within the next couple of months, I'll be working on, um, whipping those into shape and down to the size that I can release on a CD and, you know, remixing them a bit and mastering them to get them out. Um, 
And I think that'll occupy me until until we're sort of heavy into production on uh, on mutton stuff. I think. Yeah. Cool. All right. Great. Uh, well, that's good luck with everything. Um, I, I hope it, it all goes well, and uh, I probably may talk to you again in the future at some point. <laughs> Absolutely, anytime. I'll uh, I'll let you know when we've got something new coming out. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah. Let me know. Right. Appreciate. It. Thanks very much, Dave. No problem. Cheers. Bye. Cheers. Bye. So that was the interview with Michael. Hope you enjoyed that. Uh, I'll let you know if we find out any information about when the show is coming uh, to the UK, um, which hopefully is fairly soon because I really quite like to see it. Um, and next up, I think we'll do. Uh, I'll just do you a few air date updates. So we've got American Dad coming back to Fox on the 21st of May at 10 p.m. Uh, Justified Season 6 is coming to Sky On Demand like it did with the previous seasons and that's on the 15th of April Atlantis uh, Season 2 Part 2 is going to BBC One on the 11th of April and that's at 7.45 been a long wait for that and uh, the second season of the brilliant Silicon Valley comes to Sky Atlantic on the 20th of April at 10pm So next week, if you're looking for some interesting stuff on TV, we've got Have I Got News For You is back for its 49th season. That's on the 10th of April at 9pm. Longmire is um, coming back for its third season on TCM, and that's on the 12th of April at 8pm. And the big one, since we've been talking about Marvel all this show, um, Daredevil comes to Netflix on the 10th of April, and that's definitely going to be worth watching. Uh, it's getting some uh, great feedback already. So, uh, yeah, that's one to look forward to. Um, normal service should be resumed next week. Uh, I will talk to you then. Have a great Easter. Cheers. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.